Good afternoon, you're listening to Scariff Bay Community Radio and local media this week. The programme where we have a look at the local print media here in County Clare and we go through the various items that are in it and we tell you what they're talking about. Delighted to be joined by most of our uh, usual, I was, I was going to say normal, but no, usual panel. Uh, John S. Kelly, you're very welcome again. Good uh, morning, Jim. Uh, Pat O'Brien, Pat, you're welcome. Thanks, Jim. We don't have Lou, uh, David Fleming this week because uh, David is, is, is tied up elsewhere, but uh, off the bench again uh, is Luke Fleming. Well, welcome, Luke. I'll say good afternoon and good evening and welcome, Jim. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, local media this week is sponsored by Ruth Griffin Photography in East Clare. Now, looking at the paper, we must well start with the front page, and I suppose uh, 15 million euro not enough for heritage sites work and that's referring to a story that we've often talked about here on local media this week and that's the mm, possible transfer of the heritage sites uh, from Shannon Heritage to Clare County Council 15 million do I reckon John do you, do you think that uh, 15 million is enough I'm kind of stuck on that one, I'll tell you why. On what is he basing the actual? 15 million is a lot of cash, okay? Do we agree on that? Yes. Okay, so if uh, they are looking for the 15 million, uh, it would help us all as citizens, citizens of the county to know exactly what's the breakdown and it doesn't appear, Michael Rahan doesn't, uh, doesn't appear to offer us very much except a figure. Well, John, hmm. I, I do, in fairness now to Michael Vallon, um, my take on this article by Owen Ryan in, is that basically it's Michael Vallon who's the hotelier. He's calling a spade a spade, right? Yeah. And he says the figure of 15 million appears to be the figure that the council are looking for to take it over. It's not his figure. But he does mention uh, that he, he warns that, uh, and in the article he says, a figure of closer to 20 million would be required to bring the sites up to the required standard and to start promoting them abroad. But that's not a good basis. Well, basis well, well now think about it. We were yeah. talking about Holy yeah. Island last week, so he's talking about three times the expenditure of Holy Island. Yeah. Right? Yeah. This is for, uh, for facilities that already exist. Mm. Now, there's uh, anyone that has gone to Bunratty uh, in recent years, yeah, I think would notice it has been updated a certain amount, but there's valid arguments raised as to whether what is on offer is fit for purpose for the modern tourist. Now, I was there myself during the summer, yeah, and personally was surprised by the amount of people that weren't speaking English there. Obviously tourists, but yeah. English was not their native language. Yes. And there is very little uh, interpretation in the likes of Spanish, French, or you know Portuguese, any other languages that are we say, even German down there. So that's probably one uh, matter that, that is needed. And 
we say the Mr. Vaughan says, you quote, you need to be able to pick up on modern ways of delivering information, whether it's by Bluetooth as you pass by with your mobile phone, or that you can pick up an audio guide in your portable device. All of these ways that are there to interpret what's around you, and it does require huge interpretation. Yes, I agree with that. I'm only making the point. Why is it that we're, not, that we're reluctant to say it's going to cost two million to repair the roof on the castle. Why are we reluctant? Instead of making general observations about what it'll cost, you know, I mean, Michael Vaughan jumped from 15 million to 20 million, just he, like that. He had, four, he had four million of that. He says, he, he says here, um, John, just, uh, the four, the, the, I've been told a four million investment is needed in IT and you still need to deal with Faganone and the Pope. And if a visit important by day, you would be shocked. So he's, he's saying that uh, he, he wants uh, for promotion, I'd say, to develop uh, and promote the, promote the site outside of Ireland. Well, that would be, a, 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 I know, and it will cost, it does cost a lot. A lot, it does. Yeah, but I'm looking at that figure, Pat, and I said, I have been on the websites for uh, Craig and Owen, and yeah. I said, you can book tickets on them as of now. No, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I fail to see where four million Mm. would be required to upgrade the systems they already have in place. Yeah. But I'd, but I'd say that he's talking there maybe of promotion outside of Ireland as well. Oh yeah, well I, I, yeah. I agree, but they were talking about this huge figure needed to invest in IT. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I fail to see where it all is because yeah. there's a lot of uh, systems nowadays uh, you hear the great l line about it, John will be talking about it later on page three. They're all in the cloud. Yes. You don't need as much physical hardware anymore you can have we say mobile devices and sort of suck a bit of data down that you need from the cloud mm. uh, as such you, you know the days of having big cabinets full of computers and all that type of stuff that's gone are gone you mm. don't need them anymore you actually we talked about that about that uh, approach in Tungreni do you remember uh, maybe a year ago or longer and we were looking at the great work which was done locally uh, on a couple of of you know uh, sites and we were wondering whether we'd reach a stage when a visitor would come to Tungreni okay, and would be uh, able to go down to the ruin of the workhouse where they would get you know some piece of equipment which is carrying the story the relevant story of the workhouse of not in years that actually yeah. we talked about that at the time mm. and uh, are, you t are you saying to me that you could do the same kind of thing with Craig and Owen? Yeah, uh, the village? Uh, well, mm. absolutely. And because, you know, we'll say you have the English interpretation with a, with a bit of Irish down there as well. And yeah. I said uh, the, the best example, John, that you can see of it is of uh, our comrades that work in the Clare Echo, <coughs> yeah. the barcode. Yeah. You have your, everybody has a mobile phone these yeah. days. You sort of scan the barcode and literally that you could have sort of English, Irish, German, French, and have every yeah. every language translated. Yeah. And that would only be required to be done once, mm. right? So you would have the setup costs of doing it, or you pay whoever, to, you have the English version of it, then you translate that to Irish, then you translate it to different other languages. You do it once, your barcode is there, and the person that started has their phone, they click, boom, and it comes up in the language that they want. Yeah, yeah. You know? Do you remember we had, we had uh, another, a conversation um, what was it about um, 
I'll come back to it. I'll come back to it uh, again. Yeah, we have the. It's also on. I think on page two, Pat, that the staff in Bunratty uh, are going to be retained on a full-time basis, even though it will only be what open for four days a week. Yeah, I I, I read that story today, Jim. Uh, yeah, Bunratty staff to be retained in general. Owen Ryan has a story there on page two of the Clare Champion. Uh, Bunratty Castle Folk Park will be closed to the public four days a week from mid-January to early March. Despite the closure, all the staff will be retained in their current terms. Speaking to the Clare Champion this week, one worker said the group made an announcement to us recently. The doors will be closing on Monday to Wednesday and inclusive, but all staff are being retained and fully paid. It will be just be, be closed to the public on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. The staff will probably be doing other work in their own area. Personally, work sometimes something like that. So, this is a good, this is a good thing to tell keeping their jobs anyway. Okay. Yeah. We just while we're talking about the front pages on the front page of the Clare Echo, uh, we're looking there at a piece on June Curtin, and June Curtin uh, has been named Clare's most inspirational person, and. Uh, she has raised 100,000 euro for charity, so I'm not surprised that she's regarded as uh, an inspirational person, but she's going to, um, in order to raise uh, funding for the Midwest Simon Communities Activation and Community Engagement Program, she's to undertake 63 cold dips, swimming three times a day from December 1st to the 21st, to support people experiencing homeless and to find our return to work or education. My God. So fair play for her. I mean, Absolutely. In, uh, is she sta starting the actual daily swim in winter? She yes. She do it all the... On the 1st of right December. Up, right up to Christmas. From the 1st right. to the 21st. Right. Uh, multiply that by three. She's going right. in three times a day. Three times a day. Uh, where, we, 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 where, where are we going to meet her? We, well, she's from Milltown, so presumably it's yeah. that area she's and going. And there are no down there, it's in the land. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be cold, it's but fair play to her. I think she has some friends yeah. of hers helping her out as well, so. Yeah, yeah. but oh, she still has to go into the water. So she says, yes, she's marvellous, yeah. Well, fair play to her. She's on page two of the Echo there as well. Um, June Lane, most inspirational person, and her photograph is there as well. Yeah. Okay. And she expects to raise 100,000 for for the same community. Mm. There's a, there's a, there's a photograph of her coming, uh, presumably coming out of the water, yeah. uh, on on page two of the Echo. So and um, she's doing it, and she's smiling. Okay, we'll go on. I suppose the the biggest, certainly yeah. in terms of of um, page spread, the biggest story uh, is is in the Clare Champion this week, and it's uh, fronted by Dan Danaher, and that is to do with. The uh, I suppose fiasco might be a good word for it of uh, the Doolan um, oh. rescue. So it's on. Um, it's it on page one. Chip? It starts on page one and, uh, and page, 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 two. page two, six, and eight, or seven and eight. And they bid it as as an exclusive uh, story on on the Clare Champion. And does there appear to be any improvement on? We've been talking about about this uh, situation now in the Doolan, and people are constantly raising questions. Is there any improvement on the situation? Well, uh, there doesn't seem to be. I mean, there seems to be two issues. One, possibly a local issue, yeah. and but 
it's highlighted there today, and maybe Luke might have a look at it, uh, that a lot of the problem has been caused by national failures. Yeah, I, I would encourage anyone, we'll say, that has any interest in the matter at all to read every article that's in it. Uh, it's great work by Dan Danaher. As I said, there have been articles over the last period of time where you knew by reading them that there was one side of the story yeah. being broadcast. Yeah. And from my reading of it, and I think a lot of people's reading of it was, we weren't really getting the story from the people on the ground. Mm -hmm. And in the articles that are in the paper, it's fairly clear, we'll say, and it, I, I'd have to say, it, it, uh, you would need to go through it two or three times to get the full grasp of it. I think it's great journalism, and all credit to Dan, we'll say, I'm sure that's the story. It's, the story has been ongoing for you know, a long period of time, but it appears from what you can see is that uh, higher up the chain in the Coast Guard yeah. and the people on the ground that there is a serious disconnect. And I think you see it in not just the Coast Guard, you can see it in the HSE, you can see it in literally every aspect of like pu public sector, I won't say private sector as much, but most public sector um, organizations, we could say with the teachers, John, I'm sure you'd have had your issues with higher up in the Department of Education in the past. Well, and, I went to the president. And, 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 and Jim, I'm sure you're, you're the same, that would say, the, the, you know, the people that would be referred to somewhere has been up in the ivory towers and their nice little <laughs> office, wherever they are. Mm. The connection on the ground, and I said, it's the people on the ground that need support. But it's funny, and you mentioned that, and I mean, I would have held that for many, many years in the Department of Education, mm -hmm. that if there is a problem on the ground somewhere, mm -hmm. the head goes very firmly into the sand. Absolutely, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And like, we'll say, the article that Dan has on, on page seven, I would think would give you a fair idea. Minister took 11 months to meet volunteers, but not sacked once. Yes. Mm. Hildegard Nocton stated in November 21 she wanted to hear what was happening on the ground. And when, did, when is that date? November 21. Right, mm -hmm. we're now you know, nearly in December 22. Yeah, oh, good But the, ti the timeline of it, John, you're, you're talking, um, we'll say October uh, tw 28, uh, this is last year, a dual volunteer uh, writes his resignation letter, and we'll say it's on page six there, the dual and debacle, a timeline. Mm. and. Uh, you know, the, the first bit of it is the Department of Transport has effectively drawn a veil of silence over a group of existing volunteers in the Doolan unit by not answering a clear champion request to interview some of the seven members. That's what that article starts out. And in October 28th, we'll say this year, Minister of State Hildegard Nocton meets seven members of the reconstituted team but doesn't meet any of the former members. And at the bottom of it, the Department of Transport hadn't responded to extensive press queries concerning issues raised by dual volunteers at the time of going to press. So they were given the opportunity to reply, yeah. as they should, we'll say, uh, you know, but uh, haven't. I, I would implore anyone to mm -hmm. read that. Luke, could I ask you, um, the structure of the Doolin project, the structure, the personal, personnel structure, some are uh, on salaries, correct? 
and others are volunteers. No, my understanding would be they'd be all volunteers. The Coast Guard, it's is generally, you know, would say from um, Valencia is, is where the headquarters of it are. No, the volunteers on the ground, they're all volunteers. They're all, volunteers, yeah. they're all like you and me giving, here, for you, yeah. giving their time here. So you, you're saying, you're saying then that we're talking about a totally voluntary agency that is very critical to the safety of our coastline. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Mm. I mean, who's, who, do, who do you say is responsible for uh, attempting to mentor uh, our way out of this difficulty, whatever the nature of the difficulty is, which has resulted in the debacle that we're facing every week? But I suppose in any organization where, where there's a problem on the ground, yeah. be it volunteers or not, yeah. the people further up the food chain or at the next level up the food chain are responsible to try and sort it out. Yeah. Um, and it appears that, that they ran like hell and didn't, uh, didn't want to know about it. Yeah, when in upper management in uh, you know a lot of companies, do you ever hear the four words, "We made a mistake"? No, it's not something that you hear resonating around. No, no. and I think, and I think that's part of what the issue is here. Yeah. Mistakes have been made, and possibly on both sides. Mm. But if you're looking at the presentation that is given from uh, Dan's articles, it appears that uh, I would say the officialdom side of things may have more questions to answer and as you rightly said, head stuck in the sand. And who are the people that are affected the most? You have the, vo the volunteers that were given after time, but people that require the service. Mm. And a fabulous service they have given over the years. And Absolutely. I think they have been treated very, very badly. Yeah, it appears they were complaining for five years. Pardon? They were complaining for five years and there was work done. I just said, uh, this might be here. Trying what, what are they complaining about that? I just read uh, this might be here. You know, there's a economic way. He, he's he's uh, one of the volunteers and he, he stepped away. But he's supposed to be one of the He's supposed to be one of the best uh, rock climbers in the country. Yes. Rock and sea cave climbers in the country. And he was, he was, he was, he was um, sidelined. Yes. Now, uh, when, you, when, you, when you go down here on the article on the front page, um, even though the volunteers are required to respond quickly to a call out, I recall one of the doors in the 1.9 million dueling course gas station didn't open for about three years. The door oh. on the right hand side of the building was cannibalized to get the other two working. It was like a game of chefs to move the boats and vehicles to get out the door. And now that's unbelievable. It's that. unbelievable, Isn't yeah. It? That, that nobody could say, could get somebody to, 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 to suss it out, you know. And it was hmm. a, the article at the bottom of page six, management and head office didn't step up and deliver. And you yeah. can re take that a, a, as you will. But I, I think anyone, there's great reading in it. It, it. A great reading from the point of view of investigative journalism, yeah. it is not great reading. It yes. is very yeah. disappointing yeah. of what has uh, happened, what's been allowed to fester, and hopefully somewhere along the way uh, a solution can be found and that the experience and services of a lot of those people that are not currently being utilised yeah, is uh, looked at positively in the future. That's all I yeah. can say in hmm. relation to it.
Well, I suppose our congratulations have to go to the Clare Champion and to Dan Danner in particular uh, yeah. for, for bringing yeah. so much information yeah. into the public. It's a little bit like, John, you've been, we've been fed the story from officialdom over the last year. You're now getting, I think, it's a proper, a proper yeah. version of it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. okay we'll go on. Another story, I'm looking at page four in the uh, Clare Echo. And it says data centre decision due by next year, and of course we've again we've discussed that quite often here. The uh, the data centre which is the proposed to be uh, built there near the uh, East Clare roundabout on the Tuller Road, and um, I suppose a lot of people have thrown in their their tuppence worth. The data centre did receive planning permission, but it's been objections uh, have gone in and it's now with on board Panola. Jim, would you tell me exactly in simple language what is a data centre and how important are such things in the order of uh, life now here? Well very simply John, if I send you an email, yeah. which I have done occasionally, mm. or I send you uh, a WhatsApp yes, um, and when you turn on your computer yeah it pops into your inbox. Yeah. But where has it been from the time that I sent it until you open it? Mm. It's been somewhere in a data centre. And it remains in the data centre because you can log in on your phone or you can log into your yeah. email on your computer and each time you turn it on, it's there. So it's a banking system. It, it's a banking a system deposit. for data. For, for data. Information. So if you have any kind of technology at all in your house, your telephone line, John, half the time your signals are going, you know, over the cloud. We say you, you yeah. don't have the physical lines connecting, you know, from one end to the other anymore. You know, at some stage there, there'll be links go, going down. It's all that, all that type of stuff. And we say, uh, Jessica, we say it's page four on the Echo, and Jessica Quinn has uh, it on page three of the Clare Champion as well. And uh, there's a few things, uh, Pat, you alluded to them earlier, we say, in relation to the, the percentage of, of electricity. Um, now, again, there's a report in it that says that um, total of GHG, which is greenhouse gas em emissions, for all phases of developed are expected to be 9.8% of the electricity 2030 ceiling. That appears to be 9.8% of the total output uh, for the country, for my reading, yeah, yeah, yeah. that would be, we'll say, from, uh, you know, that's a fairly substantial figure for, for, you, for one development. That, that went over my head, Luke. Would you mind repeating your analysis of that? Just, uh, there's a, a report submitted by AWN Consulting Limited on behalf of the developers includes a response to climate concerns amongst other issues raised by the appeals, and it's Jessica has this on page three. Says, according to the report, the total of GHG, which is greenhouse gas, gas emissions for all phases of development are expected to be 9.8% of the electricity 2030 ceiling. Nine? 9.8% for, for... Attend, nearly. Yeah. Yeah. Make it easy. That'd be centres, I wonder. Well, but it seems to be for, for in, in the country. It's not a good figure, uh, whatever way you, you, you look at it. And like those... There's nobody will deny that um, data is, I won't quite say it's the new water, 
But we'll, set, we'll yeah. set and claim them in the country. Yeah, but we'll say the country is ideally uh, set up for it with our climate, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because we're sort of not too cold, not too wet, we're just misery and wet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, on page four of the echo, they're saying nearly 300,000 tonnes of greenhouse gas would be emitted each year. Yeah. Uh, the climate impact assessment noted, equaling the emissions of the entire beef herd in County Clare. Now we're talking about a serious uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, question, aren't we? Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, yeah. we're all on phones and we're all on computers. Yes. And information and data is, I mean, you go into any cafe or uh, you look at yes. people sitting anywhere, young people, older yeah, people, all on their phone. everybody's on their phone. Yeah. And when you're on your phone, you're using data. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that data takes energy to get to your phone. That yeah. data has to be somewhere in in a in a data center yeah um, and that data has to be stored and if i want to see what a data center looks like i turn to page three three, three of the clare champion of the clare champion isn't that right it's just yeah. big warehouses john they're, but aesthetically they're, they're, they're not bad looking mm. do you know what i mean to the, the echo here they're going to uh, developers behind the data center said that there's 400 to 500 permanent jobs will be created when, when fully operational, with 1,200 construction jobs and 600 in support of services. Yeah. Now, Clare County Council will also be getting a nice bit of a contribution of 2,137 million. But they have, they, we have to have them, isn't that? Is that uh, well, yeah, but we said Clare County Council went out of their way to start to try and get it this is. done in the yeah. first place. Yeah. You know, uh, they're, they're, it's part of the plans for NS2040. Why not give a condition to those data centres? Okay, there'll probably more of them be built. Why not give a condition to them that they supply their own, their own, uh, their own power? Well, I, think they supply I, think, their own. I think part of what it is, Pat, is that the, if I remember from before, yeah. there's provision for a gas uh, production uh, yeah. plant, you know, so that they would be using gas, but you're, again, that, that's not helping from the greenhouse issues. But uh, as you said, uh, in Jessica's article there, yeah. we'd say, uh, she, we'd say, who am I looking at now? We'd say, there, there's a, Bridget Kennedy, sorry, I should say, I'm declare a Green Party, would say, she's welcomed effort to bring employment tenants, but added, things have changed a lot since this project was first proposed by the County Council. Five years ago, data centres seemed like clean industries with good high-tech jobs. Now we know it is a power plant a quarter of the size of Money Point, yeah. and that employers like Twitter and Facebook fire as quickly as they hire. Now, that m- might not be necessarily relevant to the data centre. Looking to alternatives, she said, there are business opportunities in renewable energy and housing upgrades that give good employment and reduce our carbon emissions. The County Council needs to develop these opportunities instead. She added, farmers may wonder why they should bother to reduce their emissions when one data centre would completely undo all their efforts even if they stopped farming altogether. Now that's the type of question that mm. you that's should be asking yeah. and that needs to be asked. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's the developers have outlined that the 200 megawatt NS project underpins the government policy statement as it has the key infrastructure on the 145 acres, including access to the grid, main gas interconnector running through the site, which facilitates self-generation availability on site, 
and access to both solar and wind farms and clear through the grid or private wire. Now it's all well and good having the main gas connector running through it, but it's still mm. running off gas. Yes. You know? Mm. I suppose until such time and how far away is that where data centres can be run from renewable energy. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Yeah. I know, Luke, you have been... And there could be some... I don't think that's going to happen very soon. There should be supplying no. their own renewable energy. Yeah, yeah, well, Pat yeah. keeps coming back to that point. Uh, well, yeah, but uh, yeah, you could argue yes, they should. But uh, what what are they going to do? They're going to use they're going to use the renewable energy that has already been there. That's already there. Mm -hmm. I said the wind farms out in West Clare, the proposed wind farm that's I would say on our side of the yeah. county. Yeah. yeah, as well. And you sort of ask the question is right. Well, is it all well and good for them to use the wind farm uh, to reduce their emissions? And what are we then using? Mm. You yes. know, mm. yeah. again, going back to, you know, <clears throat> I said uh, these renewables in areas should be, the, the locals that uh, live in their environment should be able to benefit from them. That would be my, my opinion now. point, I think. Anyway, we'll, we'll leave it there. We'll see in general how things goes and what further developments and happen. I'll just put the final dig in, Jim, I'm sure in January that date will be pushed out further. Possibly. <laughs> I'm looking at page uh, four of the Clare Echo, you know, and a very, yeah. a, a very disturbing article there by Porrick McMahon on domestic abuse. And domestic abuse calls in Clare have broken new records in recent times. And I suppose so far this year, uh, I think up to maybe the 11th of November, uh, 887 calls have been made to Gardaí and Clare concerning domestic abuse. And the figures have, have already surpassed 837, which was the 2021 total. Mm -hmm. And that was a record in itself. Mm -hmm. So it, it is going up and up. And the contrast then that Pollock draws with uh, is the number of live cases. The numbers of calls to Gardaí have gone up, but the numbers of um, cases in the system being investigated or being prosecuted, they're going the other way. Mm. So, yeah, what do you say? I mean, I'd say there's multiple reasons why, but I mean, undoubtedly, they, the problem of domestic abuse has been, it has been exacerbated, I would say, by the COVID um, situation yeah, in the last yeah. few years. My daughter works in that world, uh, in, social, in the social side of it, okay? And, uh, and she would support, you know, very much the, the supply of figures so that people, uh, so that our population get a handle. Exactly what, you, what are you saying when there's 10% um, increase and What's the nature of it, and what are the processes that are used? Okay, hmm. and uh, there it, it seems often that there's a you know there's a a call for help and yes. a panic call. Yes, but that doesn't always translate into the person who calls yeah. wanting to proceed yeah. further. Absolutely right. And and you know I think that needs to be investigated. Mm. Um, I think it, it's probably multifaceted. I would say education needs to come into it as well. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. why are these things happening in the first place and why are they increasing? And that, that raises another question, the degree to which, in fact, uh, the focus 
in education at primary level and at second level um, that they should uh, consider mm -hmm. yeah. uh, incorporating, incorporating uh, yeah. material well, and that uh, looks at, uh, at the female in particular Mm. Uh, the development of assertive skills, you know, and mm. um, the self-confidence thing. I think we've talked about here mm. many, many times and when we're congratulating the girls in Komogi or the lads, the young lads as well. Mm -hmm. um, and the whole thing of behaviour mm. and what is acceptable and what isn't acceptable. Absolutely, yeah. and, and the idea of showing people respect, yes. you know, whoever they are. Indeed. You know, indeed. Yeah. Sixty-six bearing articles have been breached so far in this year in County Clare. Sixty. Sixty-six bearing articles have been bearing breached. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, it's just. I mean, we're not going to solve it here, but I mean, I think it's it's great that Parik would would produce a piece on it. I suppose and, and highlight it. Yeah, I suppose in the last couple of years, Jim, a lot of people were cooped up in their houses and. Maybe in small houses and all that you want, but that's not an excuse for it now. No, but that's the reason. That is the, the reason. And you, have, you probably have drink-related things as well. You know, there's always a mountain, uh, mount of drink involved in, in, in a lot of those things as well. Yeah, there's probably a whole range, a whole range of issues. Mm. You know. Anyway, we've come to the, the half-time break, Pat, and uh, as our resident DJ, we're turning <laughs> to you now to provide a little musical um, entertainment Lift the for ourselves and for our listeners for the next few minutes. I hope Christmas hasn't started. <laughs> you never know. Uh, Elvis Presley uh, was number one in the charts in 1962 with Return to Sender. Oh, address unknown. Yes. <laughs> okay, Elvis Presley, Return to Sender. Many thanks, Pat. gave a letter to the postman He put it in his sack Bright and early next morning He brought my letter back You're very welcome back. You're listening to Scarif Bay Community Radio and local media this week. And that was the great Elvis Presley return to centre. Brings back some memories there. And thanks to Pat for that. John, we were just talking during the break, and this has nothing to do with the paper. Yeah. Uh, I know you were a big uh, fan and uh, participant in badminton going back over many, many years, but uh, you were delighted that it's been revived. Indeed. See, it was going for adults below in Mount Shannon, okay? And in the college hall beyond, you have three courts. And the younger children, I mean, we're talking about seven, and eight, and nine, and ten year olds, they were saying, why can't we play? And so, um, uh, Angela was approached um, by the adults in question and they worked out an understanding with the result that there's a huge crowd uh, every week now for badminton. I'm not quite sure which day, but sure, that's yeah, easy. People find can out. find out. And it's a lovely, lovely sport. Mm -hmm. Lovely. Okay. August Inish, piece of Gwelga, Seclair Echo, Lahanak Truk Ahot, page 38. Mak Ola on Clore, the Clare Echo. Okay. I was on Chintam Magdala or Cunela. I was a piece 
That's great. I'll just piece of us bear refreshing. Why am I going to do it? Why am I going to do it? champion refreshing. In the Care Champion on page one of the living section, yeah. we learned that Maktara Okunela, originally from Inishir, and he was recently appointed language planning officer in Ennis. And, you know, he believes, he says, that the town can be bilingual inside 10 years. And I suppose... Maybe we're in Kartikei, but it's a tooth a car lesson. It's a very good lesson on... It's very Well, Kursi, you know, the tooth ma a glanat truck a hooked. I guess um top top piece of gold going shin. I guess uh, to she is Salahnak to imakti imakti gold Irish events and they're listed there um, on on that page and down at the bottom then to uh, to so it's uh, folklore uh, a little dictionary of yeah. uh, words yeah. that people can use. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it's very Jim it's very fashion. Not a couple of fucking gaelic at Agat. Okay? It says you said Benjas as an nation. Well, you saw them, you know, a Londini, not a couple of fucking Oh, yeah. But it's there a mask on. Even if it's only got a mahagos. Oh, God, not, yeah. Anyway, we'll go on, we'll go on from, uh, we'll stay in the clear record. To the North Clare page. Before we get to the East Clare page, uh, Jim, I I notice a a man uh, happily pictured on his tractor there that has been encountered uh, by Pat O'Brien. Uh, and survived earlier this year, uh, Patsy O'Grady, uh, there that uh, the lad spoke to when they were up in Liston Varna, uh, we'd say during September. Uh, but we'd say there is uh, a man by the name of Eugene Lamb has donated to Queen of Unclaw his important collection of video recordings of singers, musicians, dancers, and storytellers from North Clare. Uh, Park has the article there on page 18, the North Clare page on, on the Echo. And basically, there is an event taking place. Uh, at the Old Ground Hotel on the 1st of December. Refreshments uh, start at 6.30. The event is free, starting at 7 o'clock. And Paula Carroll of uh, East Clare will be uh, in conversation with Eugene Carroll and talking about some of the people, we'll say, that feature in the archives that are being donated. And they're also going to launch uh, Queen of Unclaw's new website, clarememories.ie, and their plans for the next few years. So best of luck to them. Very good. Great, a great initiative. And looking at across uh, the other side of that on page 19, Pat, the East Clare page in the Clare Echo, which has going from strength to strength, um, and it mentions a new social housing scheme for Scarif. Yeah, yeah probably there's a story there on page 19. Uh, senior officials of Clare County Council are hopeful to start construction of a 6 million social housing scheme in Scarif in the next three weeks. In November of last year, the local authority launched plans for 18 units social housing scheme at the Filter Road in Berrymanog, Scarra, which is called Twelve Noor. Stage three approved. Uh, stage three approval was granted for the development in July of this year by the Department of Housing, Local Government and Heritage. The development will include up to 14 apartments, 12 of which will have two bedrooms. It will also include two semi-detached two-storey, three-bedroom houses with adaptions. An update on the signing of the contract for the scheme was sought by Joe Cooney, 
at the, at the Wimbledon sitting of Kildo Municipal District. So um, they're hopeful to accept for Christmas. Uh, it says here and the um, approval was granted for an all-in budget of six million no hundred and ninety three thousand two hundred and eighty nine in July. Well it's gone up from from five million up to over six million. Yeah. With the way things are gone. Yeah. So oh, yeah, over hundred and Joe Cooney comes here, over hundred and forty people in Fetal Square and Fight are looking for housing. Constable Joe Cooney Finnegale, they called. I I didn't realise there would be that amount of people in the area. Hopefully, they will be looked after when the development comes to fruition. Mm. Well, it's the first housing so scheme in Scarif yeah. for for a number of years, for a good number of years. Yes, definitely thirty years. Well, there, there's a housing scheme close to the. Oh yes, yes, there, yes, um, yes, yes, yes. You know, it's it's. I think Scarif. As, as with many other places, yeah. needs an injection of people. Could, could I just point out that, we'll say, for yeah. the 18 units, you're talking 333,000 per unit, if you average that out at a cost of 6 million. That incorporates, of course, Luke, the um, infrastructure around the houses themselves, let's say. People build We'll have to put in roads and paths around their own yeah. houses as well. Mm. Yeah. That's a very high figure. So, that is expensive. Uh, that's how you again, did you say? 333,000. 333,000. Mm. Per, per unit. Per unit. Well, I remember there when, when, when it was uh, quoted at 5 million. I remember Michael Mech uh, was questioning the figure as well. He said it was high, and he was, he was quoting the time that it was going to be, going to be um, a quarter of a million. Was it a quarter of a million per house or something? Mm. No. A lot more yeah. now. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I see uh, the Claire Camogie um, player, Emer Kelly, yes. is uh, is on her way, or she's she's in Kenya at this stage now, and uh, with a, a, a plan, an initiative organised by the former Galway player Alan Kearns, in conjunction with Self Help Africa, and um, they're highlighting the impact of climate change and they're raising funds hopefully to plant one million trees in Africa. So, if you're, And you're going to have the first inter-county match in Kenya because there's 50 of them gone out there. I wonder could we send me on has a fundraising uh, page, Jim, and it's uh, on www.idonate.ie then forward slash fundraiser and slash uh, Emer Kelly won. So if you want to throw a few euros to, uh, towards yeah. that uh, good cause. And each, each player yeah. participating in the games has committed to raising 10,000. So there's a need to Since we are, this isn't strictly East Clare now, and we, we do stick to East Clare items, but uh, I mean, David Fleming would be very disappointed if we didn't talk about Crochine. <laughs> That's close, close enough to East Clare. It's close enough to East Clare, it is. Yeah. Um, and there's a, a piece about the, the Crushing Railway. I, I, it's gone from my head now what page it's on. But it's, on um, it's on page 8 of the Clare Champion. Page 8 of the Clare Champion. And it's Fiona, Fiona McGarry has the story there. Yes, and I think it might be on the yeah. Clare Echo as well. Uh, go on, Pat, just give us a, a brief one-liner. Green Agenda provides open door for Crushing Rail Stop. Reopening the rail stop at Crushine is something that the Green Party Minister for Transport cannot refuse in the view of, uh, in the view of Councillor Pat Hayes. The Fianna Fáil member calling for a business cut case to be made for the reopening of the stop in which 
he described as the very successful limerick called the line. This is critical that that can make a difference in climate mitigation, he said. Councillor Hayes highlighted the amount of new housing in Cushing, Tula and Queen. So reopening the rail stop offers huge opportunities to give people access to public transport. We have the Transport Minister in the county recently for a lovely day of Sir Tumbling. Councillor Councillor Hayes said there is a lot of debate about transport and this is an issue on the doorstep that we need to address ourselves. Pat, can I ask you a question? You're nearly of the age that would um, actually cover this. Did you ever travel on the Limerick Crucine line? No. 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 Yeah. And did you, Jim? I did. I, I, did went, you? I went to Ennis to Galway a few years ago and on, the, on the train. And yeah. it, it didn't stop in Crucine? It did right? not stop at Crucine. Yeah. No, and I didn't want it to stop at Crucine. There's no, there's no, there's no railway station there. And uh, 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 at the present time. Is there not? No. But they want to build it, they have, they have, the, they have the place. They have the ground. Physically, mm. place lined up for it. But I've travelled on that, on that railway for five, five solid years. Breakfast, dinner, and tea. Yeah. On the, um, and it was great. A marvellous setup. Mm. In fact, I met my wife. On the train. <laughs> that will demand an interview in itself. <laughs> but it's great, though. It's great to see it. It is great to see it. There was a proposal, you see, to bring a railway from Killaloo through Scarf and on to uh, Ennis. Yes. But it never got past the, the House of Commons. John Madden, no, might might have. I think you'd want to say, John, that was a long time ago. That was in the last <laughs> 50 years. No. <laughs> this, yeah, we need to go on. David, David was a kind of a good step now, so we, we just have to mention that we, we have no opposition today. <laughs> no, no. And we are unanimous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, the Ukrainians are coming to East Clare, or more Ukrainians are coming to East Clare. Uh, it's on page six in the Clare Echo, and Parik has a piece there. Welcome is still as warm as more Ukrainians arrive. Well, the welcome, of course, to Ennis Diamond, where the the number, the percentage of uh, the electoral area, I think it's 8.8 percent. He says yeah. of people in that electoral area are are Ukrainian refugees. Mm. But I suppose more to to uh, towards our one and Parik. Um, he, he, he talks about uh, the uh, director, Tifi, the operational director of the East Clare Development Village and credits he, he was speaking to on Scarif Bay Community Radio. But um, the East Clare Golf Holiday Village anyway will have Ukrainians in the... Next week, they, they already have a small number, but uh, there'll be a hundred more, I gather, arriving yeah. uh, next Next week. Yeah, they have, they have 30, I think. Yeah, that's right. Plus, yeah. So they've been had 150, roughly 150. Yeah, they're expecting yeah. 150. Yeah. I suppose, given the, where the, the, uh, that facility is, yeah. John, they, they will need some kind of transport. There is a bus provided. Yeah. As part of it. Because some of them are going to, um, and will be going to the college. Mm. Okay? Yes. And they're ready for them. They're, 
I presume there will be younger children as well. I presume oh, yeah. the national school. Well, even, even, even in the hotels in the inner when the Robin Lodge a bus collects them there and yeah. takes them to the school and takes them to the town. Yeah. But I wondered, Jim, is your mind working on how the community can contribute to the well-being of 100 and 130, 140 refugees? I mean, and coming up to Christmas, you know, you wonder, is there anybody out there thinking yes. in relation to that issue? Yeah. Um, I, I had, yeah. But Jeff, he was on the radio, and who, he, was, yeah. he, was, he was on previous week, wasn't he? With, uh, yeah. In the, and, and he was saying that they were looking for, at that time anyway, they were looking for bullies and stuff like that, and children with clothes and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Hmm. And um, he said, that, you know, that everything was welcome. And it appears that they were just, you could just take them in there and, and, and donate whatever you want. And, 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 you know, with the way that the war is going in Ukraine and with yeah. the, the targeting, I suppose, of yeah. electricity yeah. and that kind of infrastructure, we may well have many more refugees, mm. particularly yeah. in the wintertime. For a long yeah. time, yeah. Yeah, mm. so. And I suppose another story, um, that's, and it's down Just at the bottom. Just before we go from that, Jim, there's a bit of concern. You, you had two, uh, you had two groups, well, one in Dublin and one in Kildare, and they, they were kind of protesting about the, about the, those people coming. Well, they weren't protesting against them, but they were protesting the way the government were looking after them. Yes. We've we been hearing it, um, constantly that there was no communication with the local people, and it was the same thing last night, and Patrick O'Gorman was challenged about it. Yeah. That's nice. And he, 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 oh, he said that there could be more communication. Which like, uh, how long does it does it take him to, 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 how long does it take him to realise that there should be more communication? Mm. And I suppose the fear is that there'll be objections and there'll be people. Yeah, but at least Jim will come down and explain because you'll have people from the far right that will come in and they'll, they'll, you know, they'll, 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 they'll probably twist it. Yes. Twist it and and and, and turn it against. Could we actually look? Could we? Um, for Christmas, could we provide a service for uh, people who have the language, uh, who have a bit of English, uh, to contact um, home, a kind of a, a, what would you call a program? Yes, on the radio. Yes, on the radio, mm. yeah. yeah. I suppose it depends how many people speak English and but certainly, we we will certainly take an interest in mm. when yeah. they come and when they settle down. But Christmas is only around the corner. That's no. all, yeah. Mm. yeah. That's all. Mm. Okay, a, a related story, Pat, I was just going to say, there was three politicians from County Clare have, are included on the Russia blacklist. I'm just wondering, look, would you... Would you want to be on that list, or would you want not to be on it? <laughs> well, well, I think uh, our local senator, uh, Timmy Dooley, was uh, taken as a badge of honour to be on the blacklist. So what, we've, we've 50, I think, starting is uh, at the Taoiseach. Now, it is, it's a little bit uh, of a non-event in a, in, a, in a one way. Uh, you can't really see anyone on that list that would be anywhere interested in going to Russia. I don't think anybody's going to be travelling mm. over to Russia anytime in the, in the near future. Uh, but it's, uh, I see Cahill Crow as well sort of came out and sort of, you know, he said it's a badge of honour, it will only serve to, uh, it will only serve to further, further strengthen my resolve to support Ukraine and her citizens. 
I look forward to the day which is coming soon, maybe Cahill knows something we don't, <laughs> when Russian forces are driven back over their border and Slava Ukraine. And then an Ennis resident, Kieran Burke, pointed out that he himself is blocked by Deputy Crow on Twitter and felt the ban <laughs> would have little implication on the Munich native. And, and I should leave it at that, Jim, because if I start talking about Twitter and Elon Musk and bans, we'll go down a total different rabbit hole. I so, know, okay. So, well, a local politician who isn't uh, yet anywhere on the blacklist is Pat Hayes. Um, but he's talking about deer and the danger of deer. I think we, we, we spoke about it. We we it's, in the, it's in the farming section there too. Much. On, on, of the Clare Champion. Have you ever been exposed to a, a deer on the roadway? Yeah, in loads of times, um, but never in a sort of a, a threatening way or a dangerous way. Yeah. I mean, the other day we were driving somewhere and, and a deer was kind of wandering along in front of us. Um, but, but, I mean, I know people who have had accidents and where the deer landed yeah. in front of the car and yeah. the car was nearly a write-off so yeah. it is dangerous yeah. invariably if if your car comes into contact with a deer neither the deer nor your car are going to be the winners no mm. yes so, yeah. but uh, it, it, it's interesting uh, there we'll say um, like I know he, he is referred to the fact that we said the question of a cull might be required, you know, yes. in, in relation to that. He says, uh, uh, Pat says, it's now a national issue for a lot of rural counties. I don't know what we can do. There has to be a cull and there needs to be a forum to look at this, in, uh, at this issue. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it's not just a problem in Clare, it's Kerry, Waterford and Wicklow as well, mm -hmm. where uh, uh, issues uh, have been highlighted. So we must take that up, Luke. If you were hit with a deal, lady, I tell you, you'd better make it the true steel if you try to cut it or do anything with the bones. Yeah, yeah. It's a true, Okay, we're very, very tight in time. Tala, Kiel, Kishin, Pat, are going to get some rocks to make the place Yeah, they have. The Kilung Municipal District discussed it and they are going to get a road safety, a road safety boost for East Clare villages, a tolerant location at the schools. They are going to get, we'll say, there will be a survey, Pat. Lights and where you can cross a pedestrian crossing. Yes, look, I don't like the tone of the way you're saying that. It sounds like a bit like, yes. Minister. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a little bit like the article on page 37 of the Echo with EV charger to be installed by Killaloo by spring next year yes. uh, that Parik has. Uh, Maybe yeah. they were listening to us. Well, yeah. It's taken them well over a year to sort of start listening. The, the answer, John, is no. And we'll say with the private businesses, I was at an event uh, two weeks ago down in the uh, sunny southeast of the county and met. Uh, a man that's involved with the biggest uh, private inst installer of uh, commercial EV chargers in the, in yes. the country. And I asked him, for a business or anyone, how long would it take to get a charger installed if you had the power on site? And he said about four weeks. Four weeks? Yeah. Mm -hmm. They have the systems. Okay. Listen, Christmas is nearly upon us and the Clare Champion, both papers in fact, uh, both the Clare Record and the Clare Champion have a lot of you know, Christmas advertising and Christmas, uh, a focus on Christmas, but Pat, you're looking there at the 
declared champion. Yeah, they're, 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 they're pull out. It's uh, like an extra newspaper. Yeah, they have it. They have it there every year, Jim. Uh, uh, a full pull out of, of stories about Christmas and yeah. and um, page, 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 and all page thirty-nine, Pat, and page fifty-four and fifty-five are Broadford and Fetal. And yeah. uh, Marianne Purcell has a nice tale in relation to Fetal and uh, and the, book, the books of Christmas there, Jim, as well. There's, a, there's a, all the books of Christmas are there and there lovely as well. You know. And look, in ten seconds, uh, because we really are out of time, palm free. As a Tungreni man, we uh, must be delighted with the local... More awards won. Tony yeah. Hine. Yeah, exactly. And I said, working now up in Raheen, and best of luck to him, and uh, doing very well, and uh, pay for free, and as, as our products are, palm free. Palm free. Great, 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 uh, great idea for Christmas. Okay. Listen, we have to stop there, because we are going over time. Uh, John S., many thanks for joining us again with your words of wisdom. Oh, no, no. Uh, Pat O'Brien, likewise with yourself. And, thanks, uh, thanks, Jim. And off the bench again, Luke Fleming. Luke, thank you for uh, coming in at uh, great expense and uh, many miles travelled in order to get here. But uh, thank you very much for, for your contribution. Pat, have you uh, something to play us out on? Yeah, we, we, we move on 10 years from, from Elvis Presley, and uh, in 1972, Tim Lizzy with Whiskey in the Jail was, was the number one in 1972. Okay, so enjoy this for a Sunday afternoon. Our program is sponsored by Ruth Griffin Photography. We'll see you next week. Please, God. Goodbye and God bless.